Just because Oregon football has lost some key players from a season ago doesn't mean we shouldn't expect a defensive upgrade this year. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. I appreciate all of you who engage, especially in the YouTube comments. Been getting some great Great engagement there. Great questions coming in, some of which I'm getting to on the show today and in the coming episodes as well. I absolutely love to see that. By the way, as I record, it's got the duck polo on today. I'm going golfing after I record this, but I'm recording on Thursday. Right now, the Lady Ducks on the links are competing for a national championship in the championship team match with Stanford. Best of luck. Hope that by the time I'm recording tomorrow's episode, I can come to you with news of a national championship the men won in 2016 women trying to add to the trophy case down in eugene as well they're playing in uh, scottsdale i believe greyhawk country club is the name or golf club something of the sorts but we shift to the gridiron and this is a mailbag question a couple mailbag questions driving the show and if you ever want a question answered you know how to do it by now Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks or just hop in the YouTube comments. Ask one there. I respond to just about all of them and I will get to you here. Nick P sends in today's question. What do you see as the floor and the ceiling for the Oregon defense in Dan Lanning's first year? This is a great question because in the age in which you have a bevy of offensive coaches being hired and it's all about, you know, what kind of offense can you produce and the rules favor the offense and schemes are, you know, so smart and innovative that they're very hard to stop. And athletes are so explosive. They're primarily going to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, nowadays kids growing up, you take the best athlete, you put them at quarterback and you let them develop from there. This isn't a fascinating question. One that deserves a, a full run through, which I will certainly give it here. So here we go. I think right off the top, from a schematic point of view, Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy should be an upgrade over Tim DeRoyer, who was not bad a season ago, but I didn't think was great either. Given the personnel that Oregon had compared to the other teams in the conference, and just looking at the roster without comparing it to other teams, you got NFL guys all over the place. You had Kayvon Thibodeau and Noah Sewell, unfortunately, who you know were injured here and there and whatnot, but... I thought schematically Oregon fell behind a little bit a season ago compared to what they had with like an Andy Avalos or even a, a Jim Levitt when he when he came to the Ducks. I thought he did a lot of really great things after the, the Brady Hoke era, which was short-lived as defensive coordinator, thankfully. But you have Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, whose resumes speak for themselves pretty clearly. Lupoy was the co-defensive coordinator in 2017 for Bama, and he was the full-time defensive coordinator in 2018. In 17, as the co-defensive coordinator with Jeremy Pruitt, who was then hired by Tennessee as their head coach for three seasons because he did so well there, Bama led the nation in defense. They allowed just under 12 points a game, 261 yards per. Kind of that old-school Alabama feel. Really the last old-school Alabama team where you, you think of the great defense that they had, and they had some really good players, Minka Fitzpatrick among them. And then in 2018, as the solo defensive coordinator, Alabama fell down to 12th nationally. Again, still very good, but they allowed 18 points a game, which 
was about six more than the previous season, 320 yards a game. But they lost some major pieces. Darren Payne was a high-impact player on the defensive line. Minka Fitzpatrick, we know what he's done in the NFL. He's been really, really good. Ronnie Harrison, another NFL-caliber player. So they lost some major pieces there. And their defense took a step back, but still was top 15 nationally. And that was a little bit of a shaky ending with Tosh Lupoy and Nick Saban. It was not a, a clean break in the sense of, you know, Lupoy took a, a superior job. It was more, you know, Saban wanted to go in a different direction on that side of the ball, which does gives me a little bit of pause, you know, as, as a defensive coordinator. Now he's a tremendous recruiter, but I'm just talking about, you know, his, his schematics within – within a game, right, on Saturdays, making adjustments, having the right approach, and, and all those sorts of things that that go into having a good defense. So it doesn't give me a lot. You know, I, I don't think it was a bad hire at all. I think it's a, a really good hire because he, he's an elite recruiter. And at the end of the day, if you have the Jimmys and the Joes, the Xs and the Os don't matter quite as much, though they're, they're still important. It is, though, why I would like Dan Lanning to call plays defensively. That's what he did at Georgia. And not every head coach does that. Jonathan Smith for the Bees was an offensive coordinator, but he doesn't call plays for, for Oregon State. He's he's just a head coach, which I just find interesting. You don't see that a lot from, from offensive head coaches. I guess it's a little bit more in the NFL, but in college too. Typically, if you're an offensive coordinator somewhere and you're the play caller and you get hired to be a head coach, you're going to keep calling plays. I really want to see Lanning do that because Dan Lanning – I think more so than Tosh Lupoy has a, a schematic prowess that is well known in the college football realm. And he he's just he's really, really good at it. And they did a lot of good things in the national championship game. And his resume as a DC at Georgia, just absolutely incredible. They were first in points per game allowed in the country, not in the SEC, in the country, as Bama was in 2017, Georgia was in 2019, allowing about 12 and a half points a game. In 2020, they took a step back to 17th nationally, but these are, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about these teams that are, you know, playing in a superior conference, now they have better players as well, but they're taking a step back to a place where I would love for Oregon's defense to take a step up towards, right? <laughs> Which is top 20 nationally when you look at points per game allowed and yards per game allowed. 2021 last year, one of the best defenses we've seen in college football. I mean, they were unbelievable. They helped good teams in the SEC like Arkansas and Kentucky to uh, like no points or three points. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. They, they were so, so good to be that dominant. And this is one of the reasons that I really like landing schematic knowledge and his, you know, X's and O's capability as a coach and a coordinator. You have to have elite players to hold a team to, you know, no points or three points or hold them in the single digits, right? A, a conference opponent, that is. But you have to have that on top of being really really good schematically in addition to having your players really well coached it has to be a combination you know I, I think if you are are just average schematically but have really really good players that you've recruited and are better than the other side I think you get something that resembles really Oregon football's program over over the last several years say for the offense with, with Joe Moorhead right but you know think of that Oregon team that scored a bunch of points with Justin Herbert didn't score as many as they should have but still they were able to do that because the offensive line was just better and Herbert was just better, right? And defensively is a lot of the same sort of stuff. Once Avalos left, I think a lot of the times you just had Kayvon Thibodeau out there wreaking havoc and, and just taking over a game. 
and you don't have to be that smart as a defensive coordinator to, to allow that to happen for your defense to have some success. Uh, the, the personnel is a huge part of it as a defensive coordinator, right? You, you have to have players on the field who can match up with the guys on the other side, maybe even be you know slightly superior physically or, or from an instinct perspective, and coaching goes into that as well. And, and I'll tell you how Oregon's personnel compares to Georgia's and what they'll be working with uh, for for landing and loop boy, they weren't together in Georgia last year. But first, I'll remind you that uh, we've been asking. We we have we have we've been asking and built delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors: chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. How about that combination of flavors? Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at built.com right now these are so different from the bars and the puffs they're a completely unique product built granola bars are loaded with granola it's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness but just like bars and puffs these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100 real chocolate go to built.com use promo code lock 15 get 15 percent off your order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com So your personnel is a big part of how much success you can have as a coordinator when you're taking over a new team, right? And one advantage that Lanning and Lupoy and Dillingham and all these new coaches have coming to Oregon is they're not in the midst of a total rebuild. It's not like a, a Washington or an Arizona where you're coming in and you got to just completely scrap it or Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. You're trying to just get them back to being competitive. Oregon is going to be the favorites in that they are the favorites right now in the betting markets in the Pac-12 North, even though we know that doesn't matter as much anymore with the new rule, which I think is great. But still, Oregon is one of the three teams most likely, according to the betting markets, to win the Pac-12 championship this year. I think that's right about where they should be. And so Lanning and Lupoy are going to come in looking at this defense. Matt Pallage as well, the secondaries coach who... Uh, is a co-defensive coordinator and comes over from from Baylor where he just coached Jalen Petrie, who was the first team, I think a first team All-American, but he just got selected in the NFL draft. So there are coaches who have been accustomed to coaching high-level players, right? Really big-time players who go on to have NFL careers. And part of the success that these guys have had at their previous stops as co-defensive coordinators or defensive coordinators is they've had some really, really top end level recruits who have become high end players and go on to the NFL. They don't quite have the personnel that they're accustomed to. I think compared to what Lanning had a season ago, they certainly don't. I mean, that Georgia defense was insane, right? You had Nicobe Dean, you had Lewis seen, you had Jordan Davis. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? 15 players drafted. Most of them were on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it was five first rounders, right? So no one was going to be able to match that, but on a, a broad level, I think the the roster defensively that Dan Lanning is coming in to work with is lesser than what he had at Georgia on, on an average year-to-year basis. The advantage, though, is the competition he's going up against is not going to be as stiff. This is one thing you have to consider when talking about Bo Nix, right? As he's coming to Oregon, he's not going up against SEC defenses. Guys are not going to be quite as fast. Defensive line's not quite as dominant. I think Oregon's offensive line much better than what he had down at Auburn a season ago. So, the personnel that, that Dan Lanning and Tash Lupoy are going to have is something you have to consider when asking the, the question here from Nick P. Originally, the start of this, which is what do you see as the floor and the ceiling for the Oregon defense? So 
let's look at the personnel first before I, I give you the final answer there as we turn in this into a, a whole run through of the defense whatnot but that's okay that's what we're talking about um that that's i'm sure that's what the, what people are interested in and such you lose cave on thibodeau and that's huge i don't know how you're gonna replace that sort of production the answer is you you, you really can't i mean he was just a difference maker every time he was on the field mikhail wright veron mckinley uh those those are also guys that you, you have to consider when when talking about okay what are the expectations for the defense but you had christian gonzalez in the secondary dante manning should be back after his injury and be totally fine if he can take a leap forward and become a shutdown corner i like gonzalez a lot i also think he's quietly looked really really good this spring and looked really good in the spring game as well sam taimani from washington big addition this year could be justin flo and I, char- I characterize him as in addition because he was hurt so much last year. I mean, we just never really got to see him on the field. You have him and Noah Sewell. If the defensive line could just be competent, the interior should be really good. If you can find some sort of pressure, maybe it's DJ Johnson, maybe it's Braden Swenson, maybe it's Trevin Maai, maybe it's, you know, maybe Dorless goes out and plays a lot of defensive end. If you can get some pass rush there and get pressure with four, then I think that you could really have something working because that linebacking unit, you know, in, in a four-two-five, you're going to have Sewell and Flo primarily. You have Bossa in there, maybe for more uh, passing situations at the linebacking spot. He might also play, you know, kind of some box safety, which is what I always think he should play. As as many of you know by now, I think you have some really good-looking players there. But is it less than a season ago? Yeah, McKinley was an absolute ball hawk. Led the nation in interceptions. Mikhail Wright was, you know, someone who took a step back a season ago, but was still a quality player in the Pac-12 when you're looking at uh, starting members of the secondary. And then Thibodeau is, is a massive loss. So there are questions on that Oregon secondary. But overall, I, I think the expectations when you look at the schematical background of Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, we should expect improvement. I, I think we should definitely expect improvement statistically from what we saw a season ago with, with, with Tim DeRuiter as defensive coordinator. If you didn't know, the Ducks really weren't very good on the defensive side of the ball last year. And the downfield passing game was limited, which begs the question, how exactly did Oregon win 10 games? They just kind of did. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a hallmark of the Mario Cristobal era is like, they just won. Didn't always look pretty. Go look at the box score from the Rose Bowl. Oregon had like 200 yards of offense and they allowed 27 points and yet they won. They just found ways to win, forced a couple turnovers, had a big play on special teams. You just, you found ways to win, but I don't expect Oregon to this year make a jump to the top of the conference, but I would say, you know, where they were statistically a season ago, I don't even think that should be the floor. I think the floor should be above where they were. I mean, at the very least, I expect them to be better on that side of the ball. You hire someone like Dan Lanning, who who brings in the sort of defensive prowess he has as a coordinator, and Tosh Lupoy, who's got a rich history coaching defenses, college football. doesn't really matter what personnel is going to be. And Oregon's overall, when you're talking about a first-year coaching staff, is pretty darn good. And it's going to be better than most of the teams they're going up against Safe for maybe Georgia and Utah, perhaps. Gosh, that's that's basically it. I mean, Oregon's won the recruiting battle in the Pac-12 conference four seasons in a row. There's plenty of talent on the roster, and I think they were just missing the X's and O's component last year. They were sixth in the conference in points per game. 
sixth. That was with Thibodeau. Now, I know he was hurt for some of the year. You had Thibodeau. You had Noah Sewell. DJ James was solid. You had the nation's leader in interceptions. You had Mikhail Wright. I, I think there was way too much talent a season ago for Oregon to allow as many yards as they did. 25 and a half points a game. I, I don't think that's the standard that that Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupo are going to stand for. And I don't think that that's what they're going to allow either. I mean, the, the team was eighth, eighth, eighth in the back 12 a season ago in yards per game allowed at 370. Now, part of that was inflated because Ohio State put up a bunch of yards, but that's only one game of 13. You know, I, and I, I just, or 14, yeah, 10 to whatever, whatever it was. But I just think that that's not a level where we should expect them to be again. I, I think that's the lowest that this defense, with, with the way that the previous staff recruited, I think that was dramatically underperforming, and we should expect them to, to be able to take a step up. It's just, cra it's just crazy. Statistically, Oregon last year, last in total passing yards allowed. The only reason they weren't last in passing yards allowed per game is because they played more games than everybody else. But they, they allowed more passing yards than anybody in the Pac-12 conference last year. Were they pretty good in the red zone? Yes, there was a big bend but don't break component. But if you're talking about a premier defense, the type that we expect Dan Lanning to bring in and bring over from Georgia as much as he can, it'll take him a couple years to build up the sort of recruiting base on that side of the ball where he could have a defense that allows 13 or 14 points a game, right? I think in the future, that's a reasonable expectation. So I, I think the floor for them is above where, where we finished a season ago, statistically. I, I mean, the rush defense was good. I expect them to be right around there again with the interior of the defensive line being so strong. They allowed about 129 yards a game rushing, but I, I think they should be above. And I'd say the ceiling with the talent that they've got right now, I don't think they can be the best statistical defense in the Pac-12. I think you're going to have a, a Utah and a Cal that'll probably be solidly above them. Washington State's defense kind of sneaky nice with a defensive head coach, but again, we should be able to finish above them with the talent that's on the roster, even without Mikhail Wright, Verone McKinley, and Kayvon Thibodeau. I would say that being in the top, let's say four, four or five, if you're in the top four or five in yards per game and points per game allowed, I would say that that is this defensive staff showing that they're, they're a schematic upgrade from the previous administration. To me, that that's improving. That's getting better. And then as the years go on, you expect those numbers to continue to climb. The ceiling, you could see... You, again, that that's where I would expect the floor to be, right? I think you got to be top five in the Pac-12 conference in in yards per game allowed and and points per game allowed, which would be an upgrade from both. They were six in points allowed and eighth in yards allowed a season ago compared to the eleven other teams in the conference. I think you sh you should expect top five or better, or I would see it as a little bit of a letdown. But I don't expect them to jump up to the very very top of the conference. I think you'll probably have Utah there, then you'll probably have Cal. I think Oregon's ceiling is probably second or third. You know, I think you could maybe leapfrog the Golden Bears because their offense is not going to be very good once again. So they're they're gonna, you know, struggle to to give their defense time to rest, you know, if they can't have long, prolonged drive or score any points. It puts a lot of pressure on them and makes it tougher. So I think Oregon's balance there gives you an advantage. But 
I'd expect Utah to have the best defense in the conference again, even with the losses of Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell. They, they've brought in a couple of good transfers and uh, some promising recruits as well. And Kyle Whittingham just knows how to coach defense year in and year out. So I'll say, uh, you know, if you're looking at, at points per game allowed, I'll say Oregon ceiling is second. I think the floor is fifth. And anywhere in there, I, I will be happy with that and consider it an upgrade from what we had defensively a season ago, which I think Oregon just allowed way, way too many just yards, honestly, just just too many yards, especially through the air. Third down defense was just abysmal. It felt at times last year they, they could not get off the field. So I think there's a number of ways that this staff will improve. And if you're coming in with, with the resume of Dan Lanning, a national championship, one of the best defenses we've seen in quite a long time in college football, that should be an expectation for Duck fans. Let's move on to another mailbag question. Uh, this is a continuation of the one that came from a YouTube commenter, Nine Family Bryce. Remember, three ways, four ways to get your question answered here on the show. Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod. You can DM me at either of the two accounts that I am in charge of, at Smalls underscore 55, my personal, or at LockedOnDucks. Or just hop in the YouTube comments. If that's where you're watching, ask me a question, get it answered here on the show. He hopped on here via YouTube uh, not that long ago and said, hey, can you break down you know, all the newcomers who are coming in for Oregon basketball this year? The other day, I talked about um, uh, Dior Johnson, Oregon freshman point guard, who's coming in, kind of broke down his game. And today, we're talking Kel Elware, who, who's the biggest recruit for the Ducks, kind of the, the biggest fish in the pond in the class of 2022, seven feet tall. He can throw down a windmill dunk. He's He's just built different, right? And the immediate comparisons for any Oregon basketball fan is going to be, oh, he's bull bull. It's not exactly bull bull. There's some similarities, right? Seven footer who can move, block a lot of shots, step out and shoot threes. But he's not going to create shots off the dribble the way that bull bull did. And I don't think that I don't think Oregon's going to need him to, frankly. You've got Keyshawn Bartholomew coming over from Colorado. You've got Jermaine Kuznard coming over from South Carolina. Quincy Garrier is there. Will Richardson still might be there. Again, as I record this, no update. Just as of now, Richardson's going to be on the team. We'll, we'll see if that lasts. I would just be so surprised. I would It would be a welcome surprise, but I'd be surprised if that's the case. But with the guys that you've got there, Bartholomew and Kuznard with Quincy Garrier and Folly Dante and perhaps Will Richardson coming back again, Kello Ware doesn't have to be the number one option. And I think that's a great thing because putting that sort of pressure, even on a, a highly touted recruit, someone who's really gifted like, like Ware is, I think it could be a lot and, and you're asking a lot of him. So I, I would say that it's great that he's coming into that sort of situation, kind of ease his way into it. You know, I, I've mentioned this before here on the show, but it's worth repeating. He's going to have to up his physicality level. He has to learn from Enfali Dante practicing against him should be a really good thing for him, but he's got to be a little bit more physical and ho hopefully and folly can, can teach him how to do that. But his shot blocking potential is really good. He's tall. He's athletic. He's got decent timing. I don't think it's Jordan bell level at this point in time, but you know, I think he, he honestly reminds me a little bit of a Chris Boucher, right? He's a big who can handle the ball, but isn't going to put it on the deck, pick and pop, pick and roll, hang around on the baseline, catch some lobs and, and throw them down, you know, working on the, the backside of his own defense, step out and hit threes. I think that's the sort of player that, that he can become. You know, he's just, he's just unique. He, he's, he's so very unique. And he, even as a highly rated recruit, 
I think it's good that he's not going to have to be the number one option because I, I, I don't expect him to be, and I don't want him to be because that's a lot of pressure on an 18 year old kid, right? E- even with someone who who's as gifted as he is, it's a big jump, right? The jump from college to the professional level is significant, but if you're talking about the difference in speed, it's a bigger gap when you go from high school to college. And he's coming from Arkansas, which is not a big state. They don't have a bunch of big time recruits coming out of there or anything of the sort. So, you know, he, he wasn't going up against top tier competition. So I think that's going to kind of exacerbate the, the adjustment that he's going to have to make from a, a physical standpoint and just understanding the speed of the game, the physicality and how, you know, to just, just how to act on the court, how to be on the court and how to fit in. But I think he'll be able to do that. I think you'll see him a lot of pick and roll situations, a lot of pick and pop situations as well. I want to see him. I, my ideal starting five, let's assume Will Richardson doesn't come back. You know what? Let's just assume he does because as of now, he is. I think you go Richardson at the point. I think you bring Bartholomew and Dior Johnson as guards off the bench. You go Richardson at the point, Kuznard at the two, Gary at the three, Ware at the four, and, and Folly Dante at the five. That's a Pac-12 championship caliber lineup. You've got length, athleticism, shooting, shot blocking, and versatility on offense and guys who can get their own shot. I, I like that a lot. And I think Ware is going to be able to, to slide in. Once once he gets his feet under him and makes a, a couple adjustments, you know, the way that I've been talking about from a physical standpoint and also, you know, might need to develop his offensive game a, a little bit more like one-on-one post situations. Once he does that, I, I see him as somebody who could very well average over the last couple months of his freshman season, even a- average 18 points, 12 boards, a couple blocks. Ab- absolutely. His shooting touch, the way that, that he finishes emphatically around the rim. If he refines his offensive post game, I think that's the sort of potential he's got. But Nick P, I, or excuse me, uh, well, Nick P, I thank you for the first question about the defense. Nine family, Bryce. I will continue to break down each of the newcomers this year. We'll get to Tyrone Williams and Brendan Rigsby, who are uh, the JUCO guys that Oregon's bringing in. We've had some success with JUCO players in the past. Chris Duarte, Chris Boucher among them. So we'll just keep it rolling here on the show, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching right now. I appreciate those of you that have done it already. Thanks for making this your first listen. Go make Locked On Pac-12 your second listen where I'm hosting, talking about the Conference of Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.